Welcome to the Private School Leader Podcast, where private school leaders learn how to thrive and not just survive as they serve and lead their schools. I strongly believe that it is possible to have a long and happy and fulfilling career as a private school leader. And my passion is to help you figure out exactly how to do just that, right here on the Private School Leader Podcast. I'm your host, Mark Minkus. I've read a lot of leadership books over the years. And in fact, uh, on my website, I have a tag called Top 10, uh, a page on the website. And it's the top 10 leadership books and the top 10 time management books that I recommend. And you can find that at theprivateschoolleader.com slash resources. And from among those books, I want to talk to you about a very special book. And it's called Atomic Habits, An Easy and Proven Way to Build Good Habits and Break Bad Ones by James Clear. And I think this is an extremely important book. I think James Clear is brilliant. I think there are so many practical applications for private school leaders, but also just for us as human beings, as um, people, as we move through with our families, with partners, spouses, kids, um, our daily lives, just all of the things that are in this book. But his book emphasizes the importance of consistent incremental progress and then provides actionable advice to achieve lasting behavior change. That's right from the, the back cover of the book. And so what, the, what I'm going for today is, is that I want you to think about why James Clear decided to name his book Atomic Habits. And he goes on to explain that. He says that an atom is the smallest unit of matter that still has the characteristics of an element. You probably knew that from high school science class. And so the whole idea behind Atomic Habits is that these tiny little incremental changes spread out over a long period of time can make huge changes in your life to your habits and honestly, in my experience, to my level of happiness and how I show up for work every day. And so on today's episode of the Private School Leader Podcast, we are going to look at the five most powerful leadership lessons from Atomic Habits by James Clear. But before we get into today's topic, I want to say thank you for listening to the podcast by giving you a free gift. And it's called The Seven Steps to Having Successful Meetings with Upset Parents. And this is an 11-page PDF that gives you a step-by-step -step plan to have better meetings with the parents at your school. And Every good coach has a game plan. Every good teacher has a lesson plan. But I think that too many private school leaders don't have a plan when they sit down to meet with an upset parent. Well, now you have a plan and you can grab this free guide at theprivateschoolleader.com slash meeting. And if you want to feel more confident and be less stressed when you meet with a parent, you can get the seven steps to having successful meetings with upset parents at theprivateschoolleader.com slash meeting. And that's a free gift to you just to say thank you so much for listening to the podcast. And I'd like to ask you for a favor. If you have gotten any value from this podcast, from any of the episodes, I would love it if you would please share the podcast, share the link, tell one other leader, school leader in your life 
about the podcast. Think about someone, I'm sure that I know that many of you have emailed me and said that you've shared it with your team, but just think about one school leader in your life that um, you haven't shared this with, share the podcast. And then a second part to this favor is, is that I'd love for you to take a moment and just think about the people at your school and think about an aspiring leader at your private school and share the podcast with them. I want to help as many leaders as possible. And so thank you for helping me spread the word. And so I said on today's episode that we are going to talk about atomic habits. And more specifically, I'm going to share with you five quotes that I think are very powerful. They've had an impact on my life, an impact on my practice, um, both at school and outside of school. And I want to share them with you and then just elaborate on each quote and how we can apply that to our roles as private school leaders. But before I do that, I want to take a quick summary of the book, of the book Atomic Habits. And again, this will just take a couple minutes. I'm not looking to do, you know, a whole episode on, you know, point by point, all the different things that he talks about in the book. If you're interested, of course, you can buy it. I will link it in the show notes at theprivateschoolleader.com episode 53. But let's just take a couple of minutes and talk about a summary of this great book. And so he, James Clear talks about the power of atomic habits. And just he, he emphasizes that small incremental changes to your habits can lead to significant improvements over time. And that's going to be a recurring theme in this episode is I think that sometimes we focus too much on big goals and accomplishing big goals and we overlook the little tiny um, improvements that we can make if those are repeated over time. And like I said at the top of the episode, he calls these small changes atomic habits because like atoms, they are the fundamental units of behavior and atoms are the fundamental matter in the universe. And so that's just kind of a quick introduction of the power of atomic habits. And then there's two other things I want to talk about very quickly. One is called the habit loop, the habit loop. And so James Clear talks about the habit loop, which consists of a cue, a craving, a response, and a reward. A cue, a craving, a response, and a reward. And then, of course, that's a a loop. It's a cycle. And understanding this loop is essential for both creating good habits and breaking bad ones. And so we know that we have some um, bad habits in our lives that we'd like to stop doing. And we also know that there's some things in our lives where we say, boy, I really wish that I would do blank. And we have good intentions, but I've found that understanding the habit loop of a cue, a craving, a response, and a reward goes a long way to help when we are trying to create good habits and break bad habits. And then the final uh, piece of this quick summary of the book are the four laws of behavior change. So James Clear in his book, Atomic Habits, introduces the four laws of behavior change. And those are based on the four steps in the habit loop. And so here are the four laws of behavior change. Number one, make it obvious. Number two, make it attractive. Number three, make it easy. And number four, make it satisfying. And these laws can be used to create and reinforce good habits while breaking bad ones. And so I'll just give you a quick example of how I use this in my life. And so 
it says, I'll just pick one of them. It says, make it easy. So if I'm going to get on the elliptical before, you know, get up, go get on the elliptical before I shower and go to work, I got to make that super easy. I have to have like my shoes in they're out in the right place and like, you know, socks and, you know, just whatever I need to just get out of bed and go do the thing without really even thinking about the thing. Because the more friction there is, the more things that keep us from doing the thing, then the less likely we are to do it. And, you know, of course, he goes into great depth with all of the different steps of the four laws of behavior change. But that's just a quick example of um, one of the four laws. So again, that's the the book. And um, I just, I highly recommend it. And, you know, for a lot of different reasons, but rather than talk about habits and talk about, um, you know, all of the different things that I just mentioned, as far as the real keys of the book, what I decided to do is to take five quotes from the book and apply them to our leadership at our private schools. And so I'm going to give you a quote and then I'm going to elaborate on it in how I've used it in my life, but also how it can help you at your school. All right. Quote number one, you do not rise to the level of your goals. You fall to the level of your systems. You do not rise to the level of your goals. You fall to the level of your systems. So to illustrate this, I'd like for you to think for a moment about being at the circus um, and seeing two trapeze artists. And if you've never seen that in person, I'm sure you've seen videos or seen it on TV, but you've got these two trapeze artists and they're swinging from the trapeze and they're flipping and they're jumping and they're catching each other. But you know as well as I do that almost without exception, especially when they're practicing, that there is no, excuse me, there is a big net underneath the trapeze artists, um, you know, several feet above the floor. And you can probably even picture that in your own mind if you've ever seen that when they get, even at the end, when they, if they don't mess up at all, they have to get down from the trapeze and they do some flips and then they land elegantly on that, on that big net and, um, you know, they bounce up into the air. So picture that giant net that's several feet above the concrete floor. Okay, so you've got that mental image. Here's the thing. Goals can motivate us, but goals can also lead to disappointment. And so this quote says, you don't rise to the level of your goals, you fall to the level of your systems. What I've found in my life, and I'll talk about this a little bit later in the episode, is some of my biggest goals, even when I reached them, there was still kind of an feeling of being underwhelmed. There was a feeling of like, is this all there is? You know, it didn't feel as good as I thought it was going to feel when I reached that goal. And sometimes that can happen. Maybe it's happened to you. And the other thing about goals is, is that often goals are a product of whether or not we reach our goals is a product of kind of our habits and our self-discipline, but those are fallible. Um, And to prove that, you know all the statistics about New Year's resolutions. We come into the new year, we've got these couple, three New Year's resolutions that we're just very adamant and very determined that we're going to um, accomplish them this year. This year is going to be different. And then what happens is, is that by February 1st, about 85% 
of New Year's resolutions have already fallen off. And so why am I talking about trapeze artists? Well, here's the thing. The, the net is your, the net is your system. Okay. The net is your system. And so let me give you an example. Let's say that I have spent, I've recognized that I, in the past, this is true. And this is, I'm giving you a real example in my life, um, that I've found that, um, I'm dipping in and out of email all day long, um, in school, out of school, and that's making me very unproductive because I'm just spending time going through emails as they come in, and I'm not really working on the important stuff, and then I have to do the important stuff at the end of the day, and then I can't leave on time, and or I'm doing it in the evenings and the weekends. Okay, so you get the picture. So that was me, um, for sure. And so I created a system and um, you'll, this is in, um, I think it's episode four. I will, I will link the episode in the show notes, but it, um, it might actually be episode seven. But anyways, I will link it in the show notes and it's called the four productivity hacks for busy private school leaders. I'll make sure I link it in the show notes at the private school slash episode 53. Okay. But in that episode, I talk about how email, your email inbox is a chronological list of everyone else's priorities. And that the way to get out of that hamster wheel or that that treadmill of just constantly checking emails is to set aside a time in the morning and a time in the afternoon where you're going to check email and then to have the discipline to not check email at other times of the day. And I'm not going to get into all of that about that system and you might be skeptical and be like, yeah, right, that would never work. That's what I used to think too, but it is episode seven. I'm looking at my notes here. So sorry about not knowing that before. So I will link that in the show notes, but the system, my point is this, if I'm up on the trapeze and I'm the private school leader and I'm doing all the crazy stuff that we all do during the school day, and I have good intentions to not be going in and out of email all day long. I'm not going to rise to the level of my goal. My goal is to be productive and to not be an email all day long. I'm not going to rise to the level of my goal. I'm going to fall to the level of my system. And so my system is built in. And so it makes it so that I do not check email all day long because I know I have scheduled times when I'm going to check email. And I know that at my school that there's about six different ways that people can get a hold of me if there's something more urgent than what would be in an email, okay? We try to convince ourselves that our email inbox is where all the urgent stuff is, and it's not, okay? It's other people's definition of urgent. And so that's one example of how I could have all of the self-discipline and all the good intentions that I'm not going to check email all day long, but if I didn't have a system, I would go splat on the concrete floor as the trapeze artist Um, but I fall only as far as the net. My system catches me. Here's another example, and this is also in episode seven. So if I'm off in the school somewhere and I'm doing whatever, and I come back to my desk and I just plop down, okay? And you've probably done this before. Um, And if any of you have ever seen a teenager, especially a teenage boy kind of standing at a refrigerator with the door open, just staring into the refrigerator, hoping for something to jump into his mouth, You've seen the same look on that teenager's face is the look on your face when you come back from somewhere and you plop down and you're sitting there at your desk. And you know what most of us do? We're sitting there 
for a couple of seconds, maybe a minute. And then we open up email and we start checking email. Okay. And I can just see so many of you nodding as you're driving to or from school or on a walk or running errands, listening to this podcast that you're like, yep, that's exactly what I do. And there are lots of reasons that we do that. Um, the false productivity trap, I did an episode on that. And those are the brain science reasons that we check email all day long. But one of the things that I've done, and here's another system, and I mentioned this in episode seven, it's called the power of an index card. And so on the corner of my desk, right now at school, on the corner of my desk is a white index card. And on it um, is the date from, I'm recording this on a Sunday afternoon, um, tomorrow morning, I'm going to replace Friday's index card with one for Monday. And I'm going to write my compelling reason why at the top throwing starfish. And I'm going to write the date. And then I'm going to write my three must do's for the day. And so guess what? When I come back from somewhere and I'm tired and I'm distracted and I just had a interaction with a teacher in the hall or an uncomfortable interaction with a parent, you know, at dismissal time, whatever, I come back, I sit down at my desk, I plop down and I'm staring at my computer, but you know what I don't do? I don't open email. And the reason that I don't open email is not because I have all this self-discipline, it's because I have a system. And my system is immediately I turn and I look at my white index card and I start working on my must-do list. And so you can see what I'm saying, that systems drive behavior. And I'm going to give you a quote, another quote just from the, the book. It says, the systems and habits you implement influence your daily actions and behavior. If your systems are well-designed and aligned with your goals, they will support and propel you towards those goals. That's what I want for you. I don't want you to be exhausted and feel like you got nothing done at the end of the day. And so whether this system is, you know, scheduling time for email or having that index card in the corner of your desk, just remember the quote, we do not rise to the level of our goals, we fall to the level of our systems. And then think about you as that trapeze artist trying to balance everything, trying to get everything just right during your school day while the tyranny of the urgent is raging around you. And then you come back to your desk, and then what do you do? Well, you engage with low productivity tasks like checking email because it gives you a little bit of a dopamine hit. But my point is, is that we need to have systems built in that will help us to be productive. And we can have systems that are built in to help us stick to the boundaries between school and home. And so I think that we just kind of go along with our lives and with our work and we don't really think about our work. And then we just think that if we have some big goals, that we're going to meet those goals. But then we're doing a lot of worst practice when it comes to time management and productivity. So quote number one, I'll read it one last time. You do not rise to the level of your goals. You fall to the level of your systems. All right. Quote number two, every action you take is a vote for the kind of person you wish to become. Every action you take is a vote for the kind of person you wish to become. I actually have this printed out on a little mini poster, and it's on the wall um, when I do the elliptical, and I can see it every day because I want to be a healthy person, that um, a healthy older person too. That's not you know all you know has all kinds of physical problems and all the um, those kinds of things that go along with, you know, being sedentary and, and not being active. 
Um, and so I'm casting a vote for the kind of person that I wish to become. I want to be a healthy, older person. So when I do that, I don't feel like doing it. I don't want to do it. But I'm casting a vote for the kind of person, person that I want to become. And I believe, really believe that leadership is about identity and values more than it is about skills. And I want to pause and say that one more time. I really believe that leadership is more about identity and values much more so than it is about skills. I talk about this with my leadership coaching clients. And when the people that I coach, the first session, I ask them to tell me about their childhood and college and their first job and the, the leaders that influenced them or, you know, anything that was a big thing that, you know, impacted them in a big way in their life. And that's the starting point, um, you know, and, and we need to get clear on the kind of person that we want to become. Uh, I think that we as private school leaders are so busy that we're just trying to get through the day. We're trying to keep everybody safe, trying to keep the lights on and the payroll and the bills paid and not get sued and, you know, have a good culture as good as it can be and make sure that we're, you know, doing the, the minimum, but more than the minimum. I don't mean that you're lazy at all. I'm not, that's not what I'm trying to say. I'm just saying like, we're just kind of trying to do what needs to be done. And we're not thinking about what we want to become, what we want our school to become as far as the culture, what we want to become as leaders and as human beings. And we need to get clear on the kind of person that we want to become. And then our behavior, our actions can cast a vote for that kind of person that we want to become. And I want to tell you something. I, you know, I know that I'm saying that we need to get clear on this, but I became a school leader in 1991. And from 1991 to about 2010, I was very, very unclear on the kind of person that I wanted to become. I just got through the day. And um, it impacted me tremendously in a negative way um, as far as how much I sacrificed my altar, my school on my, excuse me, I sacrificed myself on the altar of my school. And it impacted my relationship with my wife and my daughters and my physical health. But then I got clear and decided I wanted to be a present husband. I wanted to be a good father and I wanted to be a servant leader with integrity and just getting clear on those things and then aligning my behavior and my actions and my choices and having them be the things that would cast a vote for that kind of person that I wanted to become. Well, being a present husband, if I'm charging the phone next to the bed and I wake up and I'm checking email laying next to my wife before I say good morning to her, or if at the dinner table my kids are trying to tell me about their day and I'm on my phone checking email from school, um, if I'm being evasive in a meeting and kind of telling half-truth to the, a teacher and a half-truth to a parent so that I don't have to deal with discomfort, I'm not casting a vote to be a present husband. I'm not casting a vote to be a good father. I'm not casting a vote to be a servant leader with integrity. And so once you get clear on who you want to become, then you can write that down and then you just think about, okay, well, what steps do I need to take to get there? And think about small actions over a long period of time, small actions over a long period of time. And this really just underscores the idea that your daily choices and actions are not just isolated events, but they're cumulative decisions that shape your identity and your character over time. 
Let me hit you with that again. Your daily choices and actions are not just isolated events. They don't happen in a vacuum. But in fact, they are cumulative decisions that shape your identity and character over time. And I know that that might sound like a lot to just take in and be like, you know what? I'm just trying to hang in there. I'm just trying to get through the day. I get that. I was in survival mode for years. But when you have some purpose, when you have a vision for yourself, for your school, for your family, when you can something that can get you excited and get you out of bed more than just like hanging on for dear life and getting through the day, those small choices, even if you just make one little thing, you spend five minutes on something that's going to happen more than a year in the future. You know, those kinds of things can be disproportionately encouraging to you and just the cumulative effect of those small choices. And then the last thing on this one quote I want to say is, is that, you know, James Clear uses the metaphor of casting a vote. And by doing that, he emphasizes that each action you take contributes to a larger narrative. Just as voting in an election influences the direction of a country, your daily actions influence the direction of your life and your personal development, end quote. So we know that if we vote, that that is for a local um, election or for if it's a, for a presidential election, that our vote counts, our vote matters, and it contributes to a larger narrative. Well, think about it if you could think about it in this way, that if each day, you know, when I, I don't feel like it, when I get up and you know, get on the elliptical or when I, you know, count my Weight Watchers points or when I, you know, take the stairs instead of taking the elevator at school. Like, I don't want to do those things, but those little things, I'm casting a vote for being a healthy older person. And that's going to add up over time. And God willing, then I'll be a healthier older person. There's no guarantees of that. But if I sit around, do nothing, eat, all of this food that's high in saturated fat and don't move myself and just, you know, then I'm casting a vote for the kind of person that I'm going to become if I do those choices as well. And so um, I don't want to beat a dead horse. You get the idea. But I just really want to hit you with that quote one more time because it's so powerful. Every action you take is a vote for the kind of person you wish to become. All right. Quote number three. You should be far more concerned with your current trajectory than your current result. You should be far more concerned with your current trajectory than your current result. So I want you to imagine that a plane is leaving LaGuardia Airport in New York City and it's headed to Los Angeles. And so that's about a 3,000 mile flight. And the pilot has the heading, has the, the direction, the um, and sets the heading for um Los Angeles. But the pilot, he or she is a few just a few degrees off on the heading. They were given some wrong information. And of course, in real life, this analogy wouldn't work because it would be corrected and they would end up in Los Angeles. But if a plane left New York City, was headed to LA, and was a few degrees off course, over the course of 3,000 miles, it's going to land in Seattle, Washington. Okay. And I think that we focus too much on what we're doing and what results we're getting now. And just think of it as, as okay, think about it in this way. So 
If I am too focused on what I'm doing now and too focused on the results, let's say I'm trying to lose weight, okay? But if I weigh myself once an hour every single day that I'm awake, weigh myself on the digital scale, weigh myself once an hour instead of once a week or once every two weeks, then I'm focusing time and energy on results instead of focusing time and energy on like moving my body and eating more healthy. And so I want you to think of that through as far as like the school and the tyranny of the urgent and how you spend your time and what you're putting your effort into. And, you know, I think sometimes we fall in love with results and we don't think about direction or trajectory. And I think that as private school leaders, we just focus more on move, 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 what's next, what's next, move, 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 what's next, what's next, than we do on the direction that we're going. And we are the ones as the school leaders that need to set the course. We need to get the heading, and then we need to lead. But sometimes, because of all of the circumstances that converge at private school leadership, we are so focused on just moving the thing forward that we don't always focus on the direction. And this is like a forward-looking perspective that takes into account, it takes into account like the trends and patterns of your behavior and the choices. So it's a forward, it's a future orientation, but it also encourages taking a long-term view of your progress and goals. Okay, so just pause there for a minute. Honestly, the reason that it's called tyranny of the urgent is because the tyrant is the loudest and latest thing that's right in your face, and then you deal with it, right? And that is the opposite of a long-term view. And I know we can't always take a long-term view on progress and goals when it comes to our school, when it comes to ourself and our mental health and our physical health and our relationships with our family and our friends. But focusing solely on the results may not reflect the full story. And short-term setbacks are going to occur. Fluctuations in your quote-unquote success are going to occur. And I've found it much more, tremendously more encouraging to focus on progress than to focus on goals. And I'm going to talk about that again in a minute. But the ultimate uh, idea behind this quote is that we need to get out of that raging rapids every once in a while of our school day and just pause and make sure that we're going in the right direction and that we're having that long-term vision. Because guess what? That's our job. You know, the, the, the seventh grade math teacher, the third grade language arts teacher, they're supposed to focus on what they're doing with those children in their classroom. As the school leader, we're the ones that need to see farther and sooner than anybody else. And so quote number three is you should be far more concerned with your current trajectory than your current result. All right, that brings us to quote number four. It's so, quote number four, it is so easy to overestimate the importance of one defining moment and underestimate the value of making small improvements on a daily basis. And this kind of goes along with quote number three, but I just wanted it slightly different and I just wanted to emphasize it that we overestimate the importance of one big moment and underestimate all those small mo improvements over time on a daily basis. So 
this highlights the significance of just consistent incremental progress and our tendency as people, as human beings, but also as leaders to focus too much on like the major transformative events. And so like, for instance, big things at our school, like the annual gala or graduation or field day or getting your accreditation plaque or like some things that happen only once a year or once every few years are like pretty big things and a lot of planning go into them and a lot of, you know, but I want you to fall in love with progress and not fall in love with the outcome. And I want to say that again, I want you to really tune in and listen. I know that you're usually multitasking when you are listening to this podcast. I actually encourage you to do that. But if you could just listen closely for a minute, I want you to fall in love with progress and not fall in love with the outcome. Because sometimes, I'll just speak personally, when I accomplish a goal, sometimes it feels underwhelming. And I'm expecting it to I'm expecting it to be the key to my happiness um, or to just have this significantly improved mindset or, or state of mind and just have this joy when I reach a goal. But I want to tell you something. In the years 1999 to 2001, I want to tell you what was going on in my life. All right. During those two years, two and a half years, I got my ma- I earned my master's degree. Um, every Tuesday night from 6 to 10 p.m. for two years, okay? Um, oversaw a $1 million building project of a gymnasium with four classrooms and locker rooms and a kitchen, okay? A capital campaign that paid for the uh, building project, but also started a teacher endowment fund, so over a million dollar capital campaign. Achieved initial accreditation for our school, and at the time, my daughter's in the year 2000, we'll just pick a date. And my daughters were ages six, four, and two. Okay. So got my master's million dollar building project on campus, you know, campus is all torn up, you know, you know, the drill, um, capital campaign and initial accreditation. All right. Well, you would think that when, you know, that was all wrapping up that I would have been like top of the world on cloud nine, whatever phrase you want to use about how happy I was. (laughs) It was actually the opposite. Um, you know, I, I just kind of felt very uneven, very unbalanced, very just, I don't know, it was just kind of empty. Um, I was expecting it to be this amazing feeling of accomplishment, and to some degree it was, but I just think that sometimes that we put so much into goals and what, how we're going to feel when we reach those goals that we don't fall in love with progress, we fall in love with goals. And I want you to do the opposite. So, you know, labor, I just wrote this in my notes, labor quietly and consistently in small ways and the cumulative effect will be huge, okay? Do you want to change the culture at your school? Do you want to improve student behavior at your school? Do you want to exceed your enrollment goals? Like that's some pretty big stuff, right? Well, how are you going to get there? Well, first step is clarity and then it's small improvements small progress every day, of course, working your butt off, optimizing your team, all of those things. But the accumulation of small daily improvements is most effective and most sustainable when it comes to achieving meaningful success, especially school-wide. So I know that that's very similar to quote number four, but the idea is is that we tend to overestimate I'll just read the quote because it says it better than I can. 
Uh, quote number four, it's so easy to overestimate the importance of one defining moment and underestimate the value of making small improvements on a daily basis. And then finally, that brings us to quote number five. Quote number five says, you don't have to be the victim of your environment. You can also be the architect of it. Quote number five says, you don't have to be the victim of your environment. You can also be the architect of it. And in essence, it means that you are not solely at the mercy of your surroundings or your upbringing or your past or external factors or the the market or competition or the weather or inflation or all of those things. There's some people in your life that you know that it doesn't matter. The market conditions are never right. The, the, the weather is never correct. The weather is never right. The situation is never right for doing the thing, whatever the thing is. And there are people in this world that are like addicted to making excuses. But as leaders, I'm not saying that we need to be Pollyannas and have our head in the clouds and never have our feet on the ground and that we're just like not living in reality. I'm not talking about toxic positivity. I'm talking about optimism and just taking ownership of the fact that, yes, these things are true and these things exist in my world, but I can take a proactive approach to these things. And so while your environment and your life circumstances can have a significant impact on your life, you have the capacity to exert control and influence over some of those things. And you can actively design and create the life you want rather than just passively accepting what life hands you. You can actively design and create the life you want rather than passively accepting what life hands you. You can actively design and create the kind of school that you want instead of passively accepting what your school is right now. And this quote really encourages a mindset of empowerment and responsibility as opposed to excuse making. And I think that this quote also suggests that you can take charge of your choices and that if you put deliberate, intentional, thoughtful effort into your environment, you can transform your environment so that it aligns more closely with your goals and your values and your aspirations. And you're like, Mark, I hear all this, but this sounds like a pipe dream. I'll just go back to what I said before as one example. You know, I'm a busy school leader and I was just, you know, going through the day and just getting in and out of email all day long, coming back from somewhere and just didn't know what to do next could didn't have the brain power to figure it out. So I just opened up email. That was my environment. But I deliberately changed my environment with two things, scheduling time for email twice a day, and having the index card on the corner of my desk. That's just one small example. And so you can't change everything. But if we resign ourselves to being a passive passive victim of external circumstances, then that's where we're going to stay. could say, well, my board sucks, or my head of school is terrible, or the parents at my school are awful. You know what? All three of those things might be true. But if you are confident that you're in the right place, at least for right now, then you can make proactive, positive changes, but you have to have a mindset shift, or you're going to just have a self-fulfilling prophecy. You know that quote, if you believe you can or you can't, you're right. And so I don't want you to be a victim of your circumstances. I want you to take control. And so quote number five, you don't have to be the victim of your environment. You can also be the architect of it. And so the big takeaways from today's episode, we talked about the power of atomic habits. 
with James Clear's book about the power of making small incremental changes. He calls them atomic habits because like the atom, they are just fundamental, uh, smallest fundamental matter in the universe that um, these tiny little changes over time can be very, very powerful. And just, I'll hit you with these five quotes again, and they'll be in the show notes at theprivateschoolleader.com slash episode 53. Quote number one, you do not rise to the level of your goals, you fall to the level of your systems. Quote number two, every action you take is a vote for the kind of person you wish to become. Quote number three, you should be far more concerned with your current trajectory than your current result. Quote number four, it is so easy to overestimate the importance of one defining moment and underestimate the value of making small improvements on a daily basis. And quote number five, you don't have to be the victim of your environment. You can also be the architect of it. And I like to wrap up each episode with a call to action. I would like for you this week to spend 15 minutes, just pick one of these quotes and spend 15 minutes this week thinking about how you can apply it to your life at school and at home. All right, so let's wrap it up. Um, I have another free resource for you called The Top Six Ways to Protect Your School from a Lawsuit. This is a 10-page PDF that will help keep you and your staff safe and your students safe and help keep you out of court. Litigation is expensive, time-consuming, and very stressful, and this common sense guide will help you to be more intentional and proactive when it comes to protecting your school. And you can get the six, the top six ways to protect your school from a lawsuit at theprivateschoolleader.com slash lawsuit. And if you got value from this episode or you get value from any episodes on this podcast, I'd love to hear from you. My email address is mark.o.minkus at gmail.com. That's M-A-R-K dot M-I-N-K-U-S at gmail.com. Let me know how it's going for you with applying a new strategy or maybe your biggest pain point right now. And please subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss an episode. Um, show notes are at theprivateschoolleader.com slash episode uh, 53. A new episode comes out every week wherever you get your podcasts. And if you would please write a review, that forces the algorithm to push out the podcast as suggested content to school leaders all over the world. And I'm on Instagram at the private school leader or Twitter at the PS leader. And um, like I said, at the top of the episode, I'd love it if you would please share this podcast with another leader in your life or an aspiring leader at your school. And I've been your host, Mark Minkus. I just want to say I appreciate you so much and all the hard work that you're doing for the kids at your school. And thank you so much for taking some of your precious time to join me here today. And I will see you next time right here on the Private School Leader Podcast. And until then, always remember to serve first, lead second, and make a difference.